This podcast contains mature content and is not suitable for all audiences. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sex! Sex. Welcome to the Sex Pod. My name's Cece, and I use they/them pronouns. And I'm Nina, and I use she/her. Hey, everybody! We're near the end of January. We hope this month has been treating you right. Today, for our quickie, we have a really cool listener question. I didn't fuck it up that time. Usually, I say speaker question. I know. I'm really impressed. That's so great. Uh, listener question that we want to share with you. We've had permission from them. Um, and there's no identifying information in it. So I am going to just have Nina jump into it because we are committed to this year in 2024 making our quickies actually quickie. Listen, we love to chit chat. We're probably going to fuck that up at some point. We... T- we came out here and said our quickies are going to be something that you could listen to on a lunch break. So they can't be 40-minute quickies. We're going to no. do our best. It's kind of like when someone says, let's have a quickie, and then they don't actually finish quickly. It's true. I mean, it's, it's not nice. Sometimes. Yeah. Well, and also, like, we like verbal foreplay, apparently. So We do. Uh, <laughs> so, but in the effort to start this year off right, let's fucking do it. Cool. Jumping right in. Nina volunteered to read the question. So okay. I'm muting. Yes. Have fun. Thank you. Stick with me here, y'all. Can a therapist also be in the sex work field? I guess ethically and also when it comes to licensing. I'm in the process of going back to school to be a therapist, but I'm also in the process of starting an OnlyFans page and my partner is ready to hold the camera for me. Literally. Okay. I love that. Faceless or not, I know there's always the potential of people I know finding my page. However, in some careers, I know there are things you have to be more careful about doing outside of work for a variety of reasons. Example, if a client found your page. But on the other hand, I'd even be open to being upfront about it also and could also see that info being beneficial for clients in ways. Plus, therapists are real people too. True. Being raised a Jehovah's Witness my whole life until a couple years ago, having a history of childhood sexual abuse and being queer, trans, and a person of color in so many ways had made, had really made letting go during sex very difficult. But this and several other things has not only made sex enjoyable because I can let go, but is also very liberating because of having to be so suppressed for so long. It also has helped me tap back into other parts of myself that have had to be shoved in the closet because of societal norms and my previous religious expectations. I'd love to not give a shit and just do what I want. Because as long as you're not hurting yourself or anyone else and you're happy, that's the important part. But I also can see things from all different angles of why this wouldn't be allowed. So that's a great question of can a therapist also be in the sex work field? And this listener is asking ethically and when it comes to licensing. Yeah, these are really great questions. And before I dive into that, first and foremost, there's a couple things I want to highlight. One, I am incredibly happy for you and hopeful for you. And I am pumped that you are investing your time and your energy into finding what brings you pleasure. 
um, and being present in that because that isn't easy for all the reasons you listed, right? It can get complicated. Um, and sometimes being in our body doesn't feel safe. So before we jump into all the ethics of these things, um, I just really want to commend you on taking that journey. And I'm sure it's one that you'll continue to be on. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and also to normalize the fact that like, you're not the first person who's looking at becoming a therapist, who's asking this question. Like, here's the deal. Um, when we live in a society where money is sometimes hard to come by, and, and I want to be really clear too, sometimes sex work isn't about making money. Sometimes sex work is about like the process of giving in the community that you're talking about giving into and sharing that space. And that's great. And enjoying um, it. And enjoying it. And that's wonderful. And for some people, there's a monetary connection to that. And I think it's an interesting world we live in um, when people are looking at that option as a way to like pay their bills or to live the life they want to live. Um, so you, you are not the only one asking this and you're not the only one asking this in like a professional type role too, right? Like, I imagine there are people who are attorneys, who are X, Y, and Z. I mean, so many different teachers. teachers. Mm-hmm. So we have seen from other professions that um, this hasn't always gone well for people, especially when it's discovered that they have an OnlyFans account. Um, there have been people, unfortunately, that have lost their jobs, have had other kind of um, ethical dilemmas forced upon them or maybe was created by the scenario. Um, here's the deal. This is a new, um, I don't know, world that we're living in, right? Where we have sex work available online that we can set up pretty quickly. Um, and to some level, there's some anonymity that you can have. Um, this is like new territory, Right. So a lot of our ethical codes when we are going in to become a counselor or a therapist, they OnlyFans didn't exist in that time. Right. And so I think it's important to expand on this territory that we are in because therapists are humans and so are teachers and attorneys. And it's always an interesting space to exist in, right? Where we feel the need to prioritize our professional identity over our personal identity. Um, that can be really tricky. And that, ethically speaking, comes up in other situations too. Like an example would be, you know, if I live in a small town, which I do, um, if I live in a small city and there's only one gay club and it's the only space that we really have where we can hang out, should I go or not? Like, and if I do go, what does that mean for my behavior, how I connect with people, how I identify those things, as much as I hate to have to think about it because I deserve a space to exist too. The reality is because of the type of work that I'm in right now as a therapist, um, I have to consider that. Like, what are the potential outcomes of me being, you know, maybe out at the bar or like a club dancing, I'm drunk. And what does that mean for people, you know, like me, who we have these important parts of our identity that we want to express and explore and be a part of, right? Because community, whether it's community of being LGBTQ or it's community of being a sex worker who's trying to express themselves and share themselves and, and do all of that. Um, that being said, 
because of the work that we do, and this is this is kind of my perspective on the ethics and the approach of it, is I think it calls us to really examine those those questions. Like, what does it mean? Um, what does it mean for me to continue to maybe go to a club? What are the potential outcomes of that in terms of like comfortability around clients or, you know, me seeing their outside dynamics that they haven't brought in the room and how that plays a part. Those are really interesting spaces. So when we look at this idea of OnlyFans, right, there's a couple of things. So there are people in the field who of therapy and counseling who I imagine you would not be the first person who's on OnlyFans, right? Mm -hmm. If that is something that you choose to do for yourself, right, then I think it's in your best interest to really get clear about anonymity um, in terms of what services can you utilize to make sure that like you, your identity is confidential, right? Um, You bring up in the question listener a little bit of like, you know, maybe this is something I share with my client. That's a, I mean, that is definitely a perspective. And this really comes down to like the school of thought you have around therapy too. Like, what does it mean to share those things with your client? How much are you sharing with your client? Why are you sharing that with your client? Right? Is there a way to share that information with your client? Like if you're using it to use as an example to help them feel like bold and invigorated and and pursuing their own pleasure, is there a way to to tell them that without having to disclose that information about yourself. So there's a couple things. One is, you know, like, can you use a VPN to protect your, your online information? Do you have things like tattoos or other marks on your body that could identify you? Um, the other component of this is safety, right? So depending upon people you work with, populations you work with, right? Um, is, is this safe for you? Um, what, what is your like course of recourse, I guess, for if it does come up in therapy and they talk about it, like, what do you want to say to them? Mm-hmm. How, what kind of conversation would you say? Would you have a conversation with them or what conversation would you have? Right. So there's kind of that aspect of things. Now, when it comes to things like ethical codes, which every, like profession has, right. In terms of social worker, therapist, like the, um, licensed marriage and family therapist, things like that. There's an ethical code. There are different components of that code. So depending upon what school of thought you're coming from, whether it's like social work or something else, I'd really encourage you to look at the ethical code, which is on their website. So you can go to the social work, the national social, social work website. They have the ethical code there. Look at it. How do you think your specific situation falls into those categories? You mentioned harm not being done, right? So yes, you're right. Like if it's not hurting you or hurting somebody else, but is there potential harm to your relationship with your client if they find out? What if you've been doing work with this person and I mean, you're really into maybe some trauma work and at some point during this, they discover this information and it's very activating for them what does that do for your therapeutic relationship in this person's work and healing? I have a question about that. Sure. Let's take OnlyFans out of the equation. Sure. Let's say you're working with a client and you as the therapist have children and you believe that spanking your children is not child abuse. You don't bring that up because it's not their business because it's your life. 
And that's not what you disclose with your client. And somehow in your trauma work, that comes up and mm-hmm. you say, well, I spank my children because I don't think it's child abuse. Mm-hmm. Is there a difference between that and having an OnlyFans? Yes and no. I think the topic maybe matters in a weird way in our society mm. differently. Yeah. I, I also think too, depending again of the type of therapist you are in your approach, most schools of thought would discourage you from making that statement about, I spank my children and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Right. Cause yeah. it's not about us having the, it's first and foremost, it's us really doing the work of going, what bias am I bringing to the space? And being honest about it. So we're not inappropriately influencing somebody else's life. And that's hard. But is having an OnlyFans coming in with a bias or is it just something you do? I think maybe it could be both. Maybe the bias somebody could argue is you have a bias around open sexuality in terms of expressing that. And some people might feel that's a bias versus for them, their perspective would be, that's not stuff you share with other people. You don't like do that type of stuff. There's a lot of shame still and stigma stigma around sex work, right? Mm. And so I think there is a school of thought or perspective that comes in that could lean either way. And so I think it is like before Mm. you make any decision for yourself, really examining that. And that harm to self or the other person also includes harm to a relationship. But let me be really, really clear too. This question is a fantastic question because I ultimately come from a perspective that you should be able to do whatever the hell you want to do, right? Like if you're feeling empowered in this role, I I want nothing more for you than to be able to pursue that. Um, And at the same time, we are beholden to regulations and ethical codes. Um, So it doesn't really fucking matter what I think. It's going to be what the people on the other end of that complaint are going to experience with you. Um, Right. Because if you're you're working under a licensing board, if that board does not agree with that, mm -hmm. I see what you're saying. So if they said this harmed your relationship with your client, right? Um, That could come up. It's hard because there's not enough case studies at this point to really be able to be clear about the potential of this. But in all of the research I did, I went on a bunch of different forums, different professional conversations around this. Most people unequivocally said this would be an inappropriate um, step to take to develop an OnlyFans. Really? Mm -hmm. That bums me out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it bums me out too for a lot of different reasons because I, I struggle in the space where it feels like I have to give up my own autonomy for my profession. Right. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. And that feels really yucky because at the end of the day, I think we should all be able to leave lead with our authentic self, right? And our needs for that. But in this space, it can get really complicated because to some degree, the process of therapy is you are you are informing the process with yourself and the information you have and what you know and the things you've experienced, that's going to be in the room. You need to know how much of it's in the room, right? And how you're using it. But really the therapeutic process for a lot of people is like creating the space for the client to show up and to work through these things and to come to their own conclusions. And so if you have an OnlyFans or if this is something you're talking about in your sessions, this could influence that, right? Yeah, this is how I know, like, 
this is how I'm very much able to say you are a therapist and I am not. Because in my mind, when I speak to my therapist, hey, Karen, um, I don't really care what she does outside of the four walls of the room we're talking about. Like what yeah. we're talking about in the room we're in together because that's none of my business. And, and, and she's, she's on my side and, yeah. and I, and so it's hard for me to work to look, to, to understand. I understand what you're saying. I completely understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to push past that and say, so maybe you shouldn't do that if it's going to make you happy. Yeah. Because I think too, in that scenario that you're talking about, right? Like, even though you don't care, you're like, whatever do you outside of this, this space, right? Even the knowledge of your therapist doing that can create some type of uh, therapeutic dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's like um, projection or like kind of living through or maybe becoming enmeshed with your therapist because oh, we yeah. have this thing in common and this is really in there. And then for some people, and we don't get to decide who, but for some people, that might go beyond the four walls of your therapy room where now they're at home looking this information for, yeah. up for you, of you, right? Yeah. And so that's when it starts to get a little, uh, a little dicey. And yeah. so I would really just encourage a couple things, like consider risk management if this is a decision you're making. Like how can you make sure to the best of your ability that this makes sure makes you confidential? Like there's anonymity, right? Uh, the other thing too is that I just thought of is like, what if you have a client that pays you through that? What yeah. dynamic does that create? Right. If they if if you're not anonymous enough and they know they're paying you for yeah. that. And what or, if you're or if they don't know it's you, but you find out it's them. And you know it's them, right? Yeah. Or I see what you're saying. You're in therapy, you've been working with this client, all of a sudden it comes up that this client is really struggling with watching from their perspective too much. Um, They're paying too much money on OnlyFans. It's causing issues with their relationship. What happens if you're one of those accounts that they're giving money to? It gets really- And then they're sitting in their session saying, I haven't haven't paid in months. And you're like, oh, no, I know you're lying. Oh, great. But uh, yeah, you're paying me (laughs) on this platform. So Yeah. No, I Uh, see what you're saying for sure. It can get really messy really quickly. So I would just consider risk management. I would also um, consult if you're going to school for social work or marriage and family therapy, whatever your jam is, look at their ethical code, right? Um, Have conversations with other professionals. Like I found a lot of like conversations online because people are having this conversation. There are people, providers out there that are trying to grapple with this and understand this too, right? Um, And if this is an important aspect of the work that you do, maybe consider looking at a different option for education. So maybe you don't take a traditional path through social work or marriage and family therapy. Maybe you do something around like, what does it mean to be a somatic sex coach? Which if that's something you're interested in, couple episodes back from this one, you can listen to the episode um, with Cooper, right? Like there are other schools of thought that still create space for somebody to be a professional and have a sexual identity that they're exploring in the world themselves. And so I would just, I would consider those elements and know that this is kind of a, a fluid moving thing. And also at the very end of the day, something you could always do too is call one of your licensing boards and ask. Mm -hmm. I have this hypothetical situation. I'm really intrigued by it. I'm wondering if you have resources or if you're able to help walk me through what, what are the potential outcomes of this? There's nothing wrong with doing that. I think that's very um, responsible 
I think that is the kind thing to do for yourself and for the people you serve. Um, so that's kind of my two cents on it. Do you have anything, Nina? No, I completely agree with everything you said, even though I raised questions. <laughs> I, I think the questions are important, right? Because those are the things that help draw out our thoughts. Like I didn't consider that. Mm-hmm. I should maybe consider that perspective. What would I do in that situation? Mm-hmm. Like it's okay to explore the space. And at the end of the day, you know, all of this professional stuff aside from one human to the other, I just commend you on healing and enjoying that space for yourself and with your partner and partners. And I just, you're doing great work and I wish the best for you, whatever space you land um, and know that you're not the only one that's trying to navigate this, this adventure. Um, and also we really appreciate your, your question. And this person also submitted another question, which is really good that we are going to be following up on at a future, um, podcast episode. So we hope you stay tuned for that too. Cece, thank you so much for the, um, thoughtful and in-depth response to our listener question. Yeah. I think we're all kind of going through this together. So anything I can provide and, my way isn't the only way. If this is purely just based off of all of the things that I've learned this far in the time that I've been as like spent as a therapist. And so please know I'm, this is not the end all be all of the conversation. There are other really great resources out there. Awesome. Hey, please feel free to email us questions. We love these. Um, you can email us at tsp.podcast at protonmail.com. You can also message us on Instagram at the underscore sex pod. Um, we do have a TikTok that we use, but we don't really check the messages on there. So you can still visit us on there. Uh, it is TSP underscore the sex pod. Um, so feel free to visit us at those places, like all of our stuff, share it. We have big plans this year to grow and share all this awesome information. And speaking of which, we have hit... 56 countries around the world of people listening. And I would like to add a lot of them in places where talking about sex openly is a big no, no. And there's something very beautiful about knowing that there are people out there getting information that they need to have. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It was pretty cool. So, uh, I haven't said it today. So Nina, I hope you know that I love you. I love you too. Thank you. Fookers, I love you too, and I hope you have a wonderful week. Bye. Bye. We would love to hear your stories, thoughts, feedback, and questions. Please submit them to tsp.podcast at protonmail.com. All submissions are anonymous, and identifying characteristics will be altered to protect confidentiality. Today's episode has been produced and mixed by Nina and Cece. The music created by Kile. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the underscore sex pod. Share, like, and follow. Sex. <laughs>